Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. I want you to go back with me, if you would, please, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I know we've been camped out there for a while, but we're going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you'll go back there. So tonight, if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. Flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. And as we're going to start off with, we've talked about it multiple times already. But again, I mentioned a little bit about this this morning in an additional aspect of what this verse tells us. We're going to begin with 1 Corinthians chapter 12, learning how do we flow in these gifts. So once we've got them, we get them obviously when we're born again. How do we actually flow in these gifts, Pastor? So let's talk about that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've looked at it multiple times now for the past several weeks. Verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, and I know the word gifts is italicized, but the truth of what this verse just says is that you and I concerning anything that has to do with the spirit realm, things that are of the spirit or spiritual, brethren, I do not want you to be what? Ignorant. So one translation of this verse says it this way, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things. Well, that includes spiritual gifts. Amen? So number one, if you're taking notes, I'm not going to try to just keep up with numbering them, but I'm going to do my, I didn't write them out as numbers, they're just different things you got to learn. Number one, we cannot be ignorant of spiritual gifts. Now I know we've covered this over and over and over again, but I mentioned something to you this morning significant about that word that we had not looked at before until this morning. So ignorant from spiritual gifts means, again, ignorance is a lack of understanding. That's what the word's defined as. Matter of fact, you might want to write down a definition that will help you remember it, even if you maybe put a little note in your Bible there. So ignorance means what? Lack of understanding. But guess what else it means? To ignore. To ignore. So it's not enough just to make sure we don't have a lack of understanding of what the gifts are about. Guess what else we can't do? Ignore them. So we've got to understand them, so we've got to understand them. But we can't also do what? Ignore them. Now, I've told you this all through this whole series. We know that at the end of this chapter, the Bible says the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts as he wills. We don't try to make them manifest. What I'm going to teach you tonight is not how to try to make the gifts manifest, but how to be in a position to let them flow through your life. So first and foremost, I need to understand them. I need to know how they function. And I need to not, not what? Not ignore them. In other words, not in living a life of, of what a lot of Christians do, of acting like they're not even there when they are. You need to acknowledge these gifts are in me. God wants to use these gifts through me. If you don't acknowledge that, then guess what you're doing? You're ignoring the gifts. So as I taught you all about these nine manifestation gifts, as you read the Bible now, Old and New Testament, what should you be thinking about as you're seeing different things happening in the Bible? What is that as it relates to a gift of the Spirit if it is one? And if it is one, what is it? So that helps you understand better how you see these gifts function. That gives you greater understanding of them. But you and I got to make sure we don't do what? That we do not ignore them. So how do we ignore the gifts? By not even thinking about us being used of God in that way to be able to see God use us. In relationship to ignoring them, a lot of people do so by just thinking, well, I don't think God could use me like that or I don't want to have anything to do with that. Well, that's ignoring the gifts. So that's the same as being ignorant in a sense of obviously not even looking to those gifts to use them. God gave them to us for a purpose, right? For me and you to be able to go into this earth doing the works Jesus did, revealing the Father to the world as weapons that will help destroy the works of darkness. So if you think about all those gifts in relationship to what you and I have as a child of God, how would I ignore them as a believer on a consistent basis? By not recognizing them in the Bible. And then not acknowledging them in my life. But as I see them in the Bible, i got to remind myself, Holy Spirit, you can use me like that. I believe those gifts are in me. And as you desire to use me in any way in relationship to those gifts, I believe you're going to use me in those gifts. So we got to make sure we don't do what? That we don't ignore these gifts and act like they're not there because they are. 
So you and I got to continue to do, to do what's necessary on our part to recognize them in the Bible and therefore not ignore them in our life. And a part of that is just believing God to be used in, uh, actually as we're going to talk about being used in the gifts of the Spirit, how to flow in those gifts. Now if you go down a couple chapters further, we've also been covering this verse pretty extensive, chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, look at verse 1. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says, pursue what? Love. Pursue what? Tell me. Love. Pursue love. Everybody say it. Love. Pursue love. Say that. And desire spiritual gifts. Now watch this. And desire spiritual gifts. That phrase desire spiritual gifts, if you back up to the end of chapter 12 verse 31, you're supposed to, lead, you're supposed to earnestly desire them. So not, this is not a casual desire. In that context is what I'm about to, see and about to show you in just a minute, to reveal to you in just a minute, is something that's not casual in its appearance as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit. But let's start with the first one. So there's two keys here that help us understand how you and I can flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Number one, say pursue love. Now notice that statement. Why pursue it? Isn't the love of God already in us? Yes, it is. It literally was shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit when we got born again. That's the first fruit of the new recreated human spirit. But you know what? If you make no effort to walk in the love of God, guess what you won't do? You won't walk in the love of God. And this is why I said you got to do what? Pursue it. You got to pursue it. My pastor for years has talked about this as it relates to even our thinking. He said, if you don't deal with your mind... And address wrong thoughts, as the Bible tells us to, your mind will automatically default to the flesh. Because that's the way, from the perspective of the old nature, that it's conditioned to think. You have to cause your mind to be renewed to the Word, to not default to the flesh. Well, therefore, you as an entire being, if you do not pursue love, guess what you'll do? You'll default to the flesh. You'll default to the ways of the flesh. You want to know why? Because from the fleshly perspective, is the easy way out. But it's always the wrong way out. So you have to pursue love. Say pursue love. So let's talk about that for a minute. So how do I, pastor, pursue love? First of all, what is love? We already covered that. If I'm to pursue love, I need to know what it is. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8. We went through this in detail. If you really want to pursue love, guess what you should do? On a consistent basis, on and off as a believer. You ought to be meditating on those things we talked about in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8. Here's a great way to know you need to go spend some time in those verses. When all of a sudden, you're not walking in the love of God consistently, it's time to go back and start renewing my mind to those things. What are you doing? Pursuing love. I'm pursuing love. And by the way, verse 8, love never what? It never fails, meaning it never runs out. It never ends. And it will accomplish its objective. So if you walk in love, guess what you're walking in? Faith. How many want to see your faith work? You get out of love, your faith won't work. So to pursue love, you and I have to do what? We have to make the effort to maintain an awareness of what that love is, first and foremost. Because if we don't know what that love is, Brother Hagen one time with a church that he had uh, took, taken over to pastor, he said, man, I mean, the deacons were trying to fight the elders. The elders were trying to fight the deacons. There was all kinds of spats in the church. He said, I would pray about my message. I would go get in the pulpit on Sunday mornings to preach my message, what I felt God wanted me to preach. But sure enough, that morning, I had a deacon trying to punch a guy out in the parking lot. Or this going on, or this going on. He said, so I'd just get back up in the pulpit and open to 1 Corinthians 13. So go to 1 Corinthians 13. I'd, speak, I'd spend the whole time preaching on love. And he said, I did it for months. But you know what? Change that church change that church. Every time I got in the pulpit, I was ready to preach my message I'd prepared. And lo and behold, we'd have stuff going on. He said, open back up to 1 Corinthians 13 to verse 4. And I just preach on love again. So you got to realize that the renewing of the mind is what's necessary for us to pursue love. Meaning that we constantly, how I many you know renewing a mind is not an end time frame of an of a aspect of what we do in this lifetime. In other words, you don't just renew your mind to love and you're done. <clears throat> you got to constantly do so. So, first and foremost, to pursue love, what do we need to do, church? We need to continually remind ourselves what it is. <clears throat> to pursue love, we also need to do what? Walk with God, close with God. Remember this when we touched on it? 1 John chapter 3. What does 1 John chapter 3 say? He who walks in the love of God is what? Born of God and he knows God. 
He's born of God and he what? He knows God. So you and I also to pursue love need to do what? Pursue God. If you would learn every single day to wake up, open your Bible first thing before you start getting all the other aspects of life and take time to talk to God and let God speak to you, you would start pursuing God on a daily basis. It's sad to think of how many Christians probably don't do that, that don't take a few moments to even open their scriptures, open a Bible, open a, a Bible app or something to look at some verses to start fellowshipping with love himself. Now, beyond those first few minutes and what you ought to start your day off with, guess what you need to do? You need to have a consistent daily pursuit of God, which, by the way, is rewarding. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if you're going to pursue love, you also got to pursue what? Got to pursue God. If you're not pursuing God on a daily basis, how many of you, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to ask because I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass anybody I have people raising hands. I wasn't going to have you raise hands. But think about this. How many of you really spend time in the Word every day? If you don't, my challenge to you over the next 30 days is make an effort to do so. Tell me at the end of 30 days that that hasn't helped you. Tell me at the end of 30 days that that hasn't actually affected how you actually see things every day, how you live every day, how all of a sudden you approach things every day. Because if you really open your Bible, not just to read it, Right? Okay, okay, Pastor, all right. I'll get through a few verses and go about my day. I see I did my I did my Bible reading. No, no, no. This is about fellowshipping with God. This is God speaking to you. That you're taking time to say, God, speak to me out of these verses. I want to hear from you today. Amen. I'm your child. I want to hear from you. And this is you speaking to me. This is you fellowshipping with me. So if you really took the time to do that every day, you're going to see that love walk increase. Because if you obviously are born of God, you have the love in you, but you also got to do what? You got to know him. And that word is intimacy, knowing him intimately. If you look at anybody who knows God intimately, you're going to find somebody who is truly walking in love. So again, the other side of pursuing love is pursuing what? God. You got to pursue God. Now there's another facet to this pursuing love as it comes to the gifts. So clearly for us to walk in love, I got to know what love is and I got to pursue love himself. Because he'll rub off on you. Amen? Knowing what love is means I'm making an effort. Uh, let me add one thing to that, that that I didn't put in there. So if I know what love is, what should I do in basis of, how many of you got those sheets that I gave you all about love, defining love? You know what you ought to do? You know what I told you to do? I don't know if you did or not, but if you hadn't, you need to. You need to go back through all those things of what love is and find your weakest ones and circle them. And you know what you say? I'm going to make a concerted effort to especially address those in my life daily and start doing them. Where I have struggles, I'm going to make a concerted effort, an actual willful effort to start practicing those even better. Amen? And I'll guarantee you that'll help you in pursuing love. So you got to not know what it is and in context to pursue it and know God himself. There's another facet to this as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit. One of the ways that you know God wants to use you through a gift of the Spirit is, guess what? By the leading of love. So this pursuit of love is not just you pursuing love to walk in it, included, but it's also you doing what? It's also you pursuing following love's leading as God directs you through your day. Because one of the ways that you know God wants to use you through the gifts of the Spirit or in some way to help somebody, which could include a manifestation gift of the Spirit, is guess what? You got to follow, here's the statement that we've heard for all of our spiritual fathers. You got to follow the love flow. Or for whatever reason, you may truly all of a sudden have a compassion rise in your heart for somebody that you might not even like very well, that you might not even like talking to, like being around. But it doesn't mean that may be the case. Maybe somebody you do like. My point is, you got to learn to follow love because love is the way that also God leads you. Love's a fruit of your spirit. How does God lead you? Through your spirit. So one of the ways he leads you is through love. One of the ways I've learned when I'm out and about and I'm around people I don't know is if my heart goes out towards somebody, I'm going to go talk to them. I'm going to start a conversation. I'm going to look for an opportunity to go bless them and minister to them. However the Holy Spirit wants to lead me, I'm just going to be obedient to at least go and engage that person, start a conversation, and talk to them about my Jesus. Now, you don't have to go there saying, but Lord, what do you want to use me and how do you want to use me? No, nope. you just go start the conversation. You just follow that leading of love. Let God lead you as you begin that conversation. And if the Holy Spirit wants to manifest a gift, guess what? He'll bring it up. 
He'll bring it up. <clears throat> you might start talking to them. They may have a healing issue, right? They might, not, they might need a healing. And all of a sudden, you just feel so impressed. Let me just lay my hand on you right now. You might not even feel a need to talk to them about faith or anything. And if you truly feel impressed of the Holy Spirit like he is urging you, put your hand on them. Pray for them right now. You want to know why? Gifts of healing is about to manifest. Because you're not even going to talk with them or share with them about what the, obviously is necessary for faith and healing. When gifts of healings manifest, all they got to do is receive it. They don't have to believe all of what we know. They just got to receive what you offer them. So you're never going to see the context of God use you in the area of the gifts of the Spirit if you don't also learn to do what? Follow the love flow. Follow the love flow. So first of all, don't be ignorant. Multiple aspects of that. Second of all, do what? Pursue love. Pursue love. Forgive everybody. Love everybody. Now, we taught you this when we went through this. Loving everybody, does that mean be accepting of everything everybody does? No. Does that mean close, be, be close uh, friends with everybody around me? No. Remember, love uses what? Love has both knowledge and discernment about it. You got to know what God's love is, and you got to walk in discernment for God's love. But you got to do what? You got to choose to walk in love. So you and I have to pursue love. Say, pursue love. <clears throat> so if I'm doing that, I'm doing what? I'm pursuing me walking in the love of God. And I'm pursuing following love's leading as I'm led to be able to minister to people and help people. If God puts it on my heart, a compassion for somebody, follow it. Follow after that. Go talk to him. Let God lead you in that. Amen? Amen. So number two that we're touching on here, pursue love, would be the second key to flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. The third one comes right after that. And do what? Desire spiritual gifts. Now I'm going to add to that again. What verse 31 said in chapter 12, because the phrase here is the same as above. Therefore, the reference is to earnestly desire, eagerly. What might be an easier word for us to understand, eagerly desire. If you eagerly desire something, you really want to see it manifest. You really want to see it work. You're not trying to make it manifest. You're just open to see that happen. Amen? So let's talk about this earnest desire for the gifts of the Spirit. Earnest desire for these gifts to flow in our life. This is what I want you to get, and this is what I want you to hear from my testimony that happened in my life, and I've heard it from so many others. So when you look this up, desire spiritual gifts, here's what it means. You ready? Yes. You ready? Yes. It means passionately seek. <clears throat> to desire spiritual gifts means to passionately seek. So you're passionately seeking after these gifts. Here's how. You ready? Simple. This is the statement you got to get. Have a sincere desire for God to use you. To passionately seek these gifts is to simply do what? Have a sincere desire for God to use you. So the focus isn't on the gifts. I want you to hear that. Might say it about three or four times. To earnestly desire the gifts does not actually mean our, our focus is on the gifts. What's our focus on? God use me. God use me. Because if you get focused on certain gifts, you're just looking to certain gifts and therefore you might miss out on how God wants to use you. So back to my testimony. The very first time I ever saw any gift of the Spirit work in my life was two gifts. Gifts of healings and working of miracles. Gifts of healings, working of miracles. Remember I told you, it's in the auction barn at the time where our church was. I was crying out to God that day, God used me. I was hearing all these testimonies of our pastor as an evangelist who saw a lot of these things happen. And I was believing God to use me. You know what I was doing? I was doing this right here, earnestly desire. Now, I wasn't asking God, I want all the gifts manifest. No, I was just saying, God, use me. God, use me. Well, if God's going to use you, guess how he's going to use you? Supernaturally. He's going to manifest those gifts to you as needed. Could I get a better amen? So I began to pursue that very moment for God to use me. A lot of people kind of sit on the sidelines and, well, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure if I could do that. Well, you're not earnestly desiring them because you're not doing what? You're not earnestly desiring to be used by God. So to earnestly desire the gift simply means to earnestly desire for God to use you. That's it. You don't focus on the gifts. You just focus on an ability for God to use you however he can. And that's something that you have to have a desire to do. Because if you do, guess what God's going to do? He's going to start pointing stuff out to you. See, if I don't have a desire of earnest to truly from my heart want to help people and God use me, guess what I'm not going to see? Those opportunities. I'm not going to see them. Why? Because my desire isn't on that. My desire is on something else. 
Now, I'm telling you, the first time I saw gifts manifest, guess where I was at? I was at a bull riding. I wasn't there to see the gifts of the Spirit manifest. I was there to get on the back of a bull. I was there to, get on, I was there to win a jackpot at a bull riding that night. But in the midst of all that, God knew my heart, and he knew that I had cried out to him with all sincerity, I want to be used. And lo and behold, did I get used that night. So I'm just telling you, to earnestly desire the gifts, this third key means to, that you and I do what? That you and I have a sincere desire for God to use you. Guess who he needs to hear that from? He does not need to hear that from you by me leading you through a prayer. Won't work. I said it won't work. Just comes from your heart. You know, it's like salvation. You think about it. We kind of sometimes have to be careful when we lead somebody in a prayer of salvation. Because the truth is, if they really want to get born again, guess what they're already going to be doing? Repenting of their sin. Right? Godly sorrow will already be present. They already know they've sinned. So Godly sorrow will be present. Now, they might need some help calling on Him as the Lord and learning how to submit to Him. But we want to be careful about this always leading a sinner into a prayer for salvation. All you really have to do is say, listen, man, are you sorry for your sin? Yeah. Well, the Bible says repent. Let me explain that to you. Because some sinners are like, what's that mean? They may not know. So all you got to do is say repent's just like going one direction, and you turn around and you go another. You don't want to keep going that direction, do you? No. So you just got to turn to God and say, I'm done with that. Now, I receive what Christ did to free me from that, and I call upon him to be the Lord of my life. And that's all you got to do. But I'll guarantee you when it comes to this being used of the gifts of the Spirit, I have tried to pray for people before. It hasn't worked. You know why? Because most of them probably aren't really earnestly in their heart wanting that to happen. They might be in agreement they'd like to see it. But, I mean, you know, God knows the difference whether your heart truly is on fire for being used by God or not. So you got to come to the place where you say, God, I want to be used. Not because I want people to see me, but because I want people to see you. And he knows. He knows whether you try to do it to get attention or he knows whether you try to do it to help people. Now, I guarantee you, I, God knew my heart, but I guarantee you why I know that I was sincere in my desire for him, not only because I knew my heart, but after that guy actually got healed and raised up from the dead, guess what I did? I walked away. I didn't, I, I, I didn't know to talk to him. I didn't know to ask him, did he know Jesus? I wasn't trying to be seen. I just walked away and got out of the picture because I was just so blown away by what God did. Now, in the, in the understanding of what you've been taught in this church, if God manifests in such a way, guess what you do need to do? Talk to them. Find out, do they know Jesus? Because guess who just got revealed to them? The Father did. Amen? So you and I, to earnestly desire, verse uh, 1 of 1 Corinthians 14, to earnestly desire these gifts simply means what again? Tell me. I have a sincere desire for God to use me. Say it. I have. A sincere desire for God to use me. That's earnestly desiring the gifts. Anybody here have that desire? You got to tell him. You have not? Because you ask not. God will not force you to do anything, including to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. To be used in the gifts of the Spirit, you're, gonna, you're, you're not telling him, I want to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. I didn't say that. I just said I want to be used. I just want to help people. And I want to be able to know that just like I hear of my pastor and Coy and others like him that have seen God use them supernaturally, that have totally helped people get free, healed, and delivered, I want to be able to help people with that. I want to see that happen. And if God knows your heart's earnest about it, get ready. Amen. I said get ready. Because you got to earnestly desire to be what? Used by God. Have a sincere desire. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. So our goal in being used by the gifts of the Spirit, I want to get it across to you, keep saying it, is not for me and you to try to figure out how to make that happen. Well, how do I make the gifts of the Spirit happen? Nope. Our goal is to simply do what? Our goal is to not be ignorant of them. Don't ignore the fact that we can be used this way. Believe God that you can. Pursue love, do everything you can, because no matter whether you're, you're you know, looking in the context of seeing being used God, by God in the gifts of the Spirit or not, guess what you need to be walking in? Love. Pursue love and earnestly desire to be used by God. Ephesians chapter 5. Are you still with me? So what's the first thing we need to do? What's the first thing we need to do? Not be ignorant. So for me and you, you've been taught all about these gifts. Keep learning about them now as you go through the Bible and don't ignore them. Right. Recognize them. Right. 
Recognize him. You ought to to say when you see him, God can use me that way. God can use me that way. Just as he used Philip, just as he used Peter, just as he used Paul. Come on. Just as he used Stephen. You know, you go read about Philip in the book of Acts. Guess what the Bible says? God worked mighty miracles through Philip. God worked mighty miracles through Paul. And that's all just simply because they, not, they understood that God wanted to use them and they wanted to be used. Amen? Amen? So first and foremost, don't ignore the gifts. Don't be ignorant of them. What's the second thing? Pursue love. Pursue love meaning that you pursue to walk in love and pursue to follow love as you obviously are trying to reach out to other people. Third one? Desire the spiritual gifts, which means what? Earnestly desire to be used by God. Let him know, I want to be used. I want you to use me. I want to help people. Anybody here besides me want to help people? You got to tell him. Well, he knows my heart, but guess what? Even in the context of somebody who says, I believe in Jesus. I believe he died. I believe he rose from the dead. He knows their heart. But they ain't going to get born again until they do what? Call upon the name of the Lord. Bible says you've got to believe it in your heart and confess with your mouth unto salvation. You could believe it in your heart, but if you don't confess it with your mouth, there's no salvation. So even though God knows in context your heart, you believe you want to be, you've got to tell him. He's a perfect gentleman. He don't interrupt anybody. He's just waiting for us. Right? We're, here's the thing you've got to realize too about the gifts of the Spirit. We're waiting for God. No, you got it wrong. God's waiting for you. Amen? So Ephesians chapter 5, this will be the fourth thing, fourth one. Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 8. For you were once darkness, say I am no more. A little louder please. You were once darkness, but now, say now. Say now. Watch this, you are what? Light in the Lord. Tell your neighbor, I am light in the Lord. What should you do if you're light in the Lord? Read the next part of the verse. Walk as... Children of light. If you're light in the Lord, say amen. Amen. So you should do what? Walk as children of light, not of darkness. Nine. For the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the what? So we're talking fruit of the Spirit here. Love, joy, peace, all that. Well, what coincides with that? Gifts of the Spirit. Gifts of the Spirit. If we're yielding to the Holy Spirit who now has put those very fruits in our spirit, and we're learning to yield to those, spirit, those fruits in our spirit, guess what we're learning to also yield to? The Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is in all what? It's in all goodness. Goodness. Where are we going to see the fruits of the Spirit manifest from our new spirit man? In doing good. It's also found where? In righteousness, doing what's right. And in what? Truth. Doing that which is in line with the truth. If you're not walking in that which is good in the sight of God, right in the sight of God, and in line with the truth, guess what you're not going to walk in? Fruit of the Spirit. Amen? Amen? Moving on, verse 10. Notice this, underline it. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. You know, it seems like a lot of Christians have no idea what's acceptable to the Lord. Does it seem like that to you? Seems like that to me. You know how many people still go to movies and hear God's name damned and it doesn't bother them? They listen to entertainment movies that are filled with violence, uh, filled with uh, uh, vulgar language and some nudity and all this kind of stuff, and it doesn't bother them. I wonder if that's acceptable to the Lord. I wonder if Jesus would do that. We're supposed to do what? Find out what's acceptable to the Lord. Verse 11. And, you ready? And have no what? No fellowship with the unfruitful works. Now notice the phrase. The unfruitful works of darkness. This isn't talking about people here. This is talking about the works of darkness. The works of darkness. You, again, you could go to a movie theater with a whole bunch of Christians, but yet that, that actual movie could be a work of darkness. You'll learn this in our series on, on uh, My Sheep Hear My Voice. The Bible's clear about this. You can't fellowship with demons and walk close to God. What, what you do by allowing things in your life that's darkness, guess what you're actually giving way to? Wrong, wrong spirits. You're giving opportunity for demonic spirits to affect your life. And then we want to, to know why God's not flowing in our life. It's because we've opened the door to too many other things. I'm going to read it again. Have 
some fellowship. How much? No fellowship. No fellowship. Now that doesn't mean, I've said it for years. That doesn't mean you shave your head, go live up. Sorry, chef. That doesn't mean. <laughs> I said that, looked at chef, I thought, well, he shaves his head, you know. <laughs> so, does, so does Joshua. That don't mean we go live on top of a hill out of the middle of nowhere and we have nothing to do with the world. How are they going to see the Father? Fellowship. We do not what? We don't interact with. We go out into a fallen world that's full of darkness, but we go as light. But we don't go do things people in darkness do. You listening? I'm not going to go sit with a sinner in a movie that he wants to watch that's full of darkness. If I'm going to reach him, I can do that outside the movie theater. I don't have to do it in the movie. By the way, if we're in the movie, he ain't going to listen to me anyway. He'll be watching the movie. So have no fellowship. This is not people with the what? Works of darkness. But rather do what? Rather do what? See, people don't like that when I do it around here. I mean, you, you don't bother you. I mean, I talk about this, this whole context of the Western world that I've been involved with all my life in relationship to the Western world today. They talk about, how many of you, off these rodeos all the time, how many of you watch Yellowstone? I mean, everybody, oh, yeah, yeah. And the guy is saying that the announcers are, are, you know, I mean, they're born again. They claim to be great Christians and they watch Yellowstone. What's wrong with Yellowstone? Don't go watch it to find out. I can tell you based on reviews and stuff, I know what's talked about it. Nudity and foul language and all that kind of stuff. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. It's just a TV show. Have no fellowship. So look at that show and ask yourself a question. Is that darkness or is that light? Is foul language darkness or is foul language light? The Bible tells me and you have no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Is that type of actual uh, uh, nudity darkness or is that light? Should anybody be looking at somebody else's body parts with nothing on them? You listening? But I'm just telling you, that's just one, one of the many things that are out there that people do that are believers. And they want, see, I'll guarantee you what you don't see. Those believers aren't flowing in the gifts of the Spirit. You listening? Paul said it this way. You cannot partake of the cup of demons and walk in close fellowship with God at the same time. We can't do both. Can't do both. Paul was a holy man. How many of you know these are the gifts of the Spirit and he's called the Holy Spirit? Amen? Uh, part of what we'll get into in this in just a minute is the thing the Bible tells us about what not to do with the Holy Spirit. Verse 12, for it is shameful. Before I go any further, so you remind me of that, Joshua, what we're not supposed to do with the Holy Spirit after I finish these verses, if I don't bring it back up. It is shameful. Say shameful. shameful. It's shameful to even speak of those things. Just to speak of them, which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by what? Light, for whatever makes manifest is what? Light. So in some cases, our light showing up ain't always the, you know, the, the noted thing that people want to have around. Amen? Verse 14, therefore he says, do what? Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will do what? Now who's that talking to? That's talking to those who aren't born again yet. It's talking about those who are spiritually dead. You're not spiritually dead, so guess what? He's already given you light. Say, I've already got the light. 15, see then, because you have it, see then you do what? That you walk circumspectly. Now that's a little blind to us. That word means to walk very carefully. Very carefully. Pay attention to what you do day in and day out. Pay attention to what you listen to. Pay attention to what influences you. Pay attention to what's going in your ears. That's getting in your heart. Pay attention. Because if you don't understand this, you got to realize that the more of the darkness I allow in, allowing it willfully to come into my life, the more that's going to affect my walk with God and my therefore ability to be used by God. See that you walk circumspectly, not as what? Fools, but as what? Tell me out loud, please. Don't we have something here tied back to what Jesus said about wise virgins and foolish virgins? Mm. Who's the foolish? They don't really walk away from the fellowship of darkness. That would be foolish. They don't find out what's acceptable, Lord. You know why? Because they think that's a bunch of religious rigmarole that you're trying to put me under bondage. Oh, no. We're trying to help you understand the liberty and the freedom Jesus gave you from all that darkness. 
You're just choosing to continue to fellowship with darkness. And guess what happens when you fellowship with darkness? You continue to snuff out the light. You're not walking in the light. Notice this. Walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. How? 16, redeeming the time. So that means you got to do what? You got to buy your time back. Buy my time back, yeah. Again, see, if you make no effort to walk in love, will you really walk in love? No. If I make no effort to stay away from things I shouldn't stay away from, will I? No. You'll just be, your flesh will draw you right back to it. What do you got to do? Redeem my time. I got to look at what I'm doing with 24 hours of a day, and I got to say, am I using it in a way that I'm walking in what is light, or am I using it in a way that I'm allowing darkness in? See, nobody can do that but you. Nobody can do that for you but you. Redeeming the time because the days are what? What are they? Tell me out loud, please. So the days are evil. If I don't redeem my time, guess what's automatically going to try to overtake me? Evil. Automatically. Verse 17. Therefore, do not be what? Which would be obviously again, unwise would be a fool. Right? Be like walking like a foolish virgin. Do not be unwise, but understand what the... Will of the Lord is. 18. You're still with me, aren't you? And do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but, underline it, be filled with the Spirit. Now, it's funny. We read all those verses just to get to that statement. But verse 18 starts with and. So it ties back to everything he just said in the previous verses, starting with verse 8 on down. Because to be full with the, to be filled with the Spirit, you got to go back and, and rehearse verses eight all the way down through verses seventeen. If you don't do verses eight through seventeen, guess what? You won't be full, full of the Spirit. So I want you to get this: to be filled with the Spirit. Here, you ready? You ready? To be filled. Now, this is a this is a continuous verb here. The word "filled" is a continuous verb. So it's not a one time. How I many you know? Filled with the Spirit means you've been what? You've been immersed in the Spirit of God. And that begins with an initial experience of what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You know what he just told you? Stay full. Now here's the actual word. Are you ready? Stay under the full influence of the Holy Spirit. That verse segregates two things. Do not be under the influence of wine. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Wine just representing the world, also a drink that we shouldn't have involvement with. But he's telling you right there, do not be drunk with wine. Well, there you go, Pastor. We just don't have to get drunk. <laughs> now, I had somebody bring this up the other day, and I said, so I have a question. I have a question. So how do we know if you're drunk or not? What defines it? That's like saying, how do we know if you're good enough to go to heaven or not? What defines it? How many you know? Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments revealed that everybody sinned. Nobody's good enough to go to heaven. Remember? Remember what Jesus said to the rich young ruler? Huh? Good teacher, what must I do to go, go, go to heaven? He said, there's only one good. Who's the one that's good? God, why? And then he rolls off the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments proved nobody was good enough to go to heaven or you wouldn't have needed Jesus. Say, thank you, Lord. So understand, this phrase, do not be drunk with wine, doesn't mean falling down, staggering drunk, which, by the way, you can get arrested and not be falling down, staggering drunk. Our law, you can be arrested for being intoxicated. You know how? Breathalyzer. Okay, so what do we do now as believers? Do we carry a breathalyzer test around with us? And we go ahead and drink up to the point where we just don't cross the line of what the law calls drunk? No. No. So the phrase here is real simple. In the Greek language, I've told you this before. And you want to understand the basics of the Greek? Here's what it means. Drink nothing that's fermented. Period. Period. The actual statement from what we would understand is that you are not to be intoxicated. The word drunk means intoxicated. You are not to be intoxicated with wine. How do I not become intoxicated? intoxicated with wine, okay? So let's just say, you know, Merrick got my water ready for me, and I didn't know it, but Merrick actually dumped half of that out and poured some white wine in there without me knowing about it. (laughs) Say Merrick wouldn't do that. If I knew that that had half wine in it, half water, guess what the Bible's telling me not to do? Don't drink that. Why? What's in it now? Toxins are in it. 
Toxins are in it. Once fermentation takes place, what do you now have? Toxins. How do I not get intoxicated? You don't let the toxins in. Wow, isn't that a big revelation? How hard is this to figure out? Kids could understand the Bible. Just adults want to twist it so they can make it say what they want. Drink wine if you want. I don't care what you do. I'm reading the Bible to you. I don't really. I'm, I'm just telling you the truth. The Bible says do not be intoxicated with wine. Well, Jesus drank wine. You don't understand wine again. Because the phrase wine referred to in their day primarily a type of fruit juice. When he actually turned water into wine, he didn't make like from, you know, 10 proof to 20 proof or 50 proof. Well, man, you saved the best for last. This is the stuff that really got a kick to it. If he did that, he sinned. He sinned. He caused others to stumble. If they've already been drinking wine that's got toxins in it, now at the end of the wedding, he gives them the real powerful stuff. He just got them all drunk. That's called a stumbling block. That's a sin. Do you think Jesus sinned? No. See, common sense tells you that cannot be what the case was. And the history of the Eastern culture in which they live in will tell you the best wine was the actual juice that had the least amount of water to make it palatable so you could drink it. When you initially extract juice from a grape or any type of a fruit, it's, too, uh, it's not palatable. It's too thick. you got to actually mix some water with it to make it palatable. So obviously the inferior would be what? Mix more water with it. Why? Because you have to buy less juice that way. It goes in relationship to the size of how much you have now. Man, you got a whole lot more. Well, in the context of a wedding, guess what they start off with? The better, the less, the, the more proper mixture where you get the full taste of the juice. By the time you get to the end of the wedding and they give you the inferior, do you think you're going to leave? No, man, you've already been there for the whole wedding. It doesn't matter. And that's why the, the guy at the actual th feast said, wow, you saved the best for last. Most don't do that. Most start off with the better, and then they give the more watered-down version at the end. It's really simple. Go look at it in the Greek language. It says this, do not drink anything that has toxins in it. Even the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, there's a distinction between certain aspects of wine. One verse actually says, strong drink is a uh, wine is a mocker and strong drink is a brawler. Wine's included in that same, exactly, in the same exact verse. It literally says wine is a mocker. Well, guess what you're not supposed to do? You're not supposed to be a mocker. What kind of wine is that? It's in the same verse where it's talking about strong drink. What kind of strong drink will we be talking about? That which has fermentation in it. Toxins in it, excuse me. Amen? Do you know they learned in Jesus' day how to keep that from fermenting? You know there is a way to be able to actually get grape juice out of a, a grape, a juice out of a grape, put water with it, and actually store it in a way that it'll never ferment. I had a person left my church and argue with me. Well, we happened to go to Israel, and they actually made some, and we drank it. We got a little tipsy because it ferments pretty quick. They have a process by which they can keep that from happening. They never talked about that. They just talked about they want to sip their wine. I said, sip your wine. It's okay. I'm not going to tell you whether you think, quote, unquote, relationship to what you're saying, if it's right or wrong. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You can live however you want. You can do whatever you want. But what he's saying here is you and I, in essence, are not supposed to get caught up with what the world is trying to offer us to allow that to be what we're full of. What are we supposed to stay full of? The Holy Spirit. So, again, the phrase here, do not... Be intoxicated with wine. Do not drink that which has toxins in it, but instead be what? Be what? Read it again, please. Be, read it again. Be what? Filled. So what's that mean? Stay under the influence. So look at the two. Don't be under the influence. Come on. Of wine with toxins in it. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Because if you stay under the influence of the Holy Spirit, guess what you're going to do? You're going to be used by God through the gifts of the Spirit. Can I get a better amen? amen? Who's numbering these? Anybody? What is it? Number four? Yes, sir. All right, number four. You ready? Yes. Stay fully under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Stay fully under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You stay yielded to and under the influence of the Holy Spirit. What's one of the easiest ways to do that as a believer on a daily basis? Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Spirit. But if you want to take time, and I don't have time to back up, if you want to take time how to stay under the influence of the Holy Spirit, why did I start in verse 8? Because your light in the Lord don't walk as darkness. 
If you walk in darkness, are you going to walk under the influence of the Holy Spirit? No, you're not. You're going to walk under the influence of darkness. This ain't hard to figure out. This, this is darkness light, black and white. Right? Find out what's acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship with darkness. Instead, expose it. It's shameful to even talk about it. You as a believer in Christ, verse 15, have to walk carefully, redeeming your time, not allowing darkness to overtake you and get involved with it, and therefore living unwise. You need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Is it the will of the Lord for you to be under the influence of darknesses in any way? No, it is not. What is the will of the Lord for you? Stay un under the influence of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't just help you. That allows God to be able to use you more easily in the gifts of the Spirit. Why? You're under the influence of the very one that's going to use you. So you'll know when he's trying to. You'll know what he's doing. Can I get a better amen? So this is what I wanted to say a minute ago that I'll complete with that statement of how to stay under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You ready? Another way to say it. You can say it multiple ways, but let me say it this way. Based on what the Bible says. What should I not do with the Holy Spirit, Pastor? Don't grieve him. Come on, don't grieve him, don't resist him. Let me back up, sorry. Don't quench him, don't resist him, don't grieve him. How would I quench the Holy Spirit? Walk in darkness. I mean, the Holy Spirit lives in you, right? Yes, no, maybe. If I'm sitting in a movie theater or doing things in relationship in my home, watching stuff I shouldn't watch, involved with things on the internet I shouldn't be involved in, okay, and it's, and it's darkness, what do you think that does to the Holy Spirit? You grieve Him. He ain't going for it. He ain't saying, yeah, turn the page. Let me, let me look at some more. Oh, no, we're done with that movie? Oh, put another one on. He's not going to do that. He's grieved by that stuff. He's the Holy Spirit. So you and I got to do what? We got to be aware of this stuff because if we're not, what are we going to do? We're going to quench Him to begin with. And when you start quenching Him, by the way, it's like a fire. It's like if he's a fire in you, you start throwing water on him trying to put him out. You, you may not even realize you're doing that. But the more you allow darkness, guess what you're doing? You're throwing water on the fire. Who's the one that's going to prompt you, show you what to do, lead you what to do? The Holy Spirit. What if you quenched him? You're not even going to know he's trying to do it. Can I get a better amen? So you could look at all these verses right here, 8 down through 17, and these are all the things you need to learn of how not to quench, how not to resist, and how not to grieve. The Holy Spirit. And if you don't do that, guess what you do? You'll stay under his influence. That leads me to another verse that ties to this. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Come on, we're almost done. 2 Timothy chapter 2. You hanging in there with me? 2 Timothy chapter 2 ties right in with that very statement. Right in with that very statement. We get added onto this to help us to stay full of the Holy Spirit. I just think it's something that needs to be looked at separate from a perspective of how we live out our lives based on what this scripture tells us. And then I'm going to finish with what's going to lead us into our new series on Wednesday nights. Second Corinthians, uh, this Wednesday night. Second Corinthians chapter 2. When you get there, shout amen. What did I say? Sorry, Second Timothy. Did I say Second Timothy the first time? Don't listen to me the second time. <laughs> See, now I'm trying to hurry up because I'm running out of time. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Real simple here. I want you to see this. Verse 19. If you're there, say amen. Notice this. Nevertheless, the solid, solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows. Say he knows. He knows. The Lord knows those are what? Those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of Christ do what? Depart, Depart from what? So what's inequity? Sinful behavior. Wrong actions. Do what? Depart from it. Depart from it. If you belong to Jesus, in other words, you're born again, guess what you need to do? Depart from that stuff. Right? Yes, no, maybe. So this is what he's referring to. Then he goes to verse 20, but in a great house. So he's tying back to that statement. If, you're, if you are one of Christ, you're to depart from inequity. In a great house, in this body of Christ that we have all around the world, there's not only vessels of gold and silver, but there's also some that are of wood and clay. Some are for honor and some are for what? Dishonor. This doesn't mean God makes you one of these. No, in all of the body of Christ, there are those that are actually like, quote-unquote, gold and silver, recognizing how valuable they are to God. And then there are those who actually act like wood and clay. They don't think they're so valuable. Why? Because they don't care how they live. They don't care what they do. It ain't no big deal. Some for honor, which would be the more honorable, the gold and silver. What would be dishonorable? The wood and clay. 
Read on. 21. Therefore, if anyone, say anyone. If anyone does what? Cleanses himself from the latter. What's the latter? The dishonor, the wood and clay. Acting like you're not valuable. How valuable are you to God? How do you know? Tell me. Okay, Jesus on the cross. What is, how do you know? How do you know how valuable you are to God? How precious is the blood of Jesus? He purchased your life with what? The most valuable thing. Remember what the Bible said? You've been redeemed with the precious, most valuable blood of the Lamb. How valuable does that make you? Very valuable. Very valuable. Amen? But see, there are believers who live like wood and clay acting like they're not. And don't realize they are. Verse 21, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, dishonor, ready? You ready? He will be. He will be. Now it might be. He will be what? A vessel for honor, underline it, sanctified, set apart, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. See, if you want... God to use you in a good work through the gifts of the Spirit. You also got to do what? You got to keep yourself separated from that which is dishonoring to God. Well, what if I've done something that was dishonoring to God? Repent, thank Him for His forgiveness, and move on and say, I'm getting free from that. And I'm going to remind you, if you're dealing with something that has a hold on you, guess what? In relationship to believers, there's many believers that are still dealing with strongholds. Don't quit. Don't quit trying to get free. In relationship to that stronghold, go to God like you would anything else and say, God, help me to get free from this. I know you've already provided what's needed. Show me what I need to do. God wants to free you. I love what our pastor has said for years. He knows whether you have something or it has you. God knows. God knows if it has you. God knows if you don't want to do it, and yet it has a hold on you, has a stronghold, and it keeps taking control of your life. But what should you do? Keep repenting. Keep turning to God. Keep believing God to get free, because he'll free you. Amen? Amen? So again, what do you got to do? Cleanse yourself from that which is dishonorable to God, so you're, you are a vessel of honor. So this is number five. Do what? Live your life as a vessel of honor. If you live your life as a vessel of honor, guess what you are? You're useful for the master. Amen. He can use you. He can flow through you. Brother Summerall used to say this. I've had people argue this. I've had people counter this. I've had people say contrary to this of, of circumstances and situations they knew. Oh, God can use anybody. He can. And, and they say he does. But that ain't according to the Bible. If he just uses anybody, why, the, why do we have to be a vessel of honor? Why would it matter? Right. If he just uses anybody. We don't find anywhere in the book of Acts that he used those who were of dishonor to him. We only find those who were honoring God with their life. Can I get a better amen? Now, as a baby Christian starting out, yeah, he'll probably help you with that. He'll probably still try to use you in ways to help you walk through that. But there's going to come a point where God's going to say, for me to keep using you, you got to become a vessel of honor. Romans 8. Did I tell you that already? Romans 8. I thought I did. Wow. You didn't pick it up by the Spirit? Huh? You didn't hear, some of you didn't hear that little voice of the tune of God saying, Romans 8. He's going to Romans 8. (laughs) Romans chapter 8. Last one. Probably the most, in some ways, truly the most critical. But this will lead us right into what we're going to start on Wednesday night. I know you know these verses. Romans 8, 15. For all this is awesome. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. You don't have a spirit that has any fear in it. You have no fear. Oh, I have fear. No, you don't. You're a spirit. Your spirit has no fear in it. Fear rises up in your soul, mind, will, and emotions. Not your spirit, man. Why? He just said it. You did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. What does fear produce? Bondage. Thank God we don't have a spirit that has any fear in it. Notice this. But you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out what? Abba, Father. So verse 15 is talking about what, Pastor? Your new spirit man. Your new spirit man. Your old spirit man, he was bound by fear because of the fall. Your new spirit man has no fear in him. Your new spirit man cries out to God, Daddy, Father. That's not the Holy Spirit in you. That's your spirit. 
That's your spirit. Now notice what he ties to your spirit. Verse 16. The spirit himself bears witness with what? This new spirit of ours. This new spirit that has no fear in it is who the Holy Spirit living in us bears witness with. This Holy Spirit himself bears witness with what? Our spirit. In this case that we are what? Children of God. So if the Holy Spirit, who is the one with all the gifts, is going to manifest these gifts through us, we got to know how to yield to him to be used by him to be able to do that. And I taught you this all through the gifts of the Spirit. What's the key to seeing the gifts work? Obey him. Do what he's telling you to do. You feel led to go somebody, go to him. You feel led to say something, say something. Right? Right? Yes. What Peter did at the gate, beautiful. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. That wasn't his common practice. He didn't do that with everybody. He did that with one lame man. You want to know why? Holy Spirit told him to say it. So if you want to see the gifts of the Spirit manifest, you got to do what? You got to obey the Holy Spirit. You got to obey his leading. But to obey his leading, guess what you got to learn to do on a daily basis? You ready? You ready? Is this number six? Learn to listen to and obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. This is probably the most vital key to being used by God in the gifts of the Spirit. You have to learn to listen to and obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me tell you where you start. You don't necessarily have to wait and start to wait uh, to wait to have the Holy Spirit use you in a gift of the Spirit to do that. No, 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 no. On a daily basis, you know what the Holy Spirit's doing? On a daily basis, the Holy Spirit's bearing witness with your spirit and my spirit about things in our life. Should I say that? Should I go there? Should I watch that? Should I listen to that? Should I say this? Oh, I should. Should I say that? I shouldn't. How many of you know your conscience, the voice of your spirit, is constantly trying to reveal to you what the Holy Spirit is revealing to your spirit man? Who's the Holy Spirit going to bear witness with? Your spirit. Learn to follow, and we'll get into this in our next series, learn to follow and obey that inward witness of the Holy Spirit. Because for him to use you in the gifts, guess what you got to do? You got to know that he's leading you, and you got to know what he wants you to do. And the way you begin that is on a daily basis, say daily. Day in and day out. Guess what the Holy Spirit's already doing for you as a believer? He's already bearing witness with you about things in your life. Trying to confirm things or trying to warn you of things. Trying to lead you the way he wants you to go. Think the way he wants you to think. Turn things off. Turn things on. Do this. Say this. Don't say that. And the more you and I can get sensitive to the leading and therefore obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit, the easier you're going to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Because now he knows he's got somebody who will listen to him, who will hear what he's saying. And until we learn to consistently follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and obey him, guess what God can't use us in? The gifts of the Spirit. Because for him to use us in the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit do not work this way. Say they don't work this way. You just don't go do whatever you want and boom, they just manifest. You know, I'm thinking about right now, I'm not, I'm just saying, we were talking about this at lunch. I'm thinking, now I am thinking about it. I'm thinking about eating some strawberry pie and the midst of me thinking about eating strawberry pie, boom, gifts of healing just manifests and heals this person. That ain't going to happen. Now you might be looking at some strawberry pie, but for the gifts of healing to manifest, guess what God's going to do? He's got to get your attention. Are you listening? Point it out to the person that he wants to heal, and you got to know what to do in that situation for that to manifest. This is different than just praying for them according to the word for them to have faith to be healed. For the gifts of healing to manifest, you got to know what's he telling you to do. What's your next step? How does he want to use you? How does he want to actually have you speak to them, talk to them, whatever, so that he can manifest that gift through your life? If you don't know that, he can't use you to be able to manifest those gifts. We have to learn. Say learn. We have to learn to do what? Listen to and do what? Obey. If you are working on listening to the Holy Spirit and you think he's telling you to do something or not do something and you keep ignoring him and you don't obey him, guess what you're doing? You're hardening yourself to the very one that wants to manifest these gifts through you. And let me help you. When all of a sudden those are needed in your life, or in other, other people's lives around you, your family around you, or other people God wants you to reach, then guess what God can't do? He can't manifest those gifts because the Holy Spirit's trying to get our attention, but we don't even know it. 
We don't even know it. We've dulled ourselves. We've done what the Bible said. We've hardened our conscience to the Holy Spirit. We don't even realize he's talking. We don't even realize he's even in the room. Amen? So what do we got to do? We got to get sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and obedient to do what he's telling us to do. Do that on a daily basis as it relates to your family, decisions you make, things you say. Be quick to hear, slow to. Be quick to hear, slow to. Oh, yeah, quit, quit reeling off your mouth so fast. Slow down. What's the Holy Spirit saying here? What, does he want me to say what I'm thinking right now? You know he already knows what you're thinking? I said, you know he already knows what you're thinking? Oh, yeah. So if all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, this is what I'm going to say, and the Holy Spirit's going, <clears throat> you better sense that inward witness and say, okay, as much as I want to say it, man, <laughs> I'm keeping my mouth shut. What do you want me to say? Learn to listen and obey the Holy Spirit in the little things of life. Come on. And he can use you in the gifts of the Spirit. Any amens on that? Because that's how he's going to use you. You've got to follow his leading. These things all through the Bible, in the book of Acts, and even through other people's lives, they didn't just manifest because God wanted to manifest them. He has to have a yielded and willing vessel. Say it. A yielded and a willing vessel. If he doesn't have a yielded and a willing vessel, he can't use them. He can't use them. We don't see him using any of those dirty kings of the Old Testament to do the kind of things he did through all the prophets and all the kings that he chose. Do we? I said, do we? No, we don't. How about Ahab? Any of the gifts of the Spirit manifest through Ahab's life? No. He was one of the dirtiest, evil, most evil kings Israel ever had. God never used him in the gifts of the Spirit. God never flowed through him supernaturally. Why? He wasn't a willing vessel. Wasn't a willing vessel. Amen? Real quick, review them with me. So first and foremost, we've got to do what? Not be ignorant. Not be ignorant of the gifts. Also meaning what? We don't ignore them. We recognize they're there. Yes, no, maybe? Yes. Next thing, pursue love. You've got to pursue it day in and day out. And that not only includes obviously pursuing walking in love, that means pursue following love's leading as to how you go to, go to uh, minister to people. And then also do what? Desire spiritual gifts. Meaning what? You got to have a sincere desire for God to use you. Next one, you got to stay what? Uh, fully under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Next one, be a vessel of honor. Cleanse things out of your life that's dishonoring to God. And the last one, learn to listen to and obey the leading of the Holy Spirit because He's the one that's going to lead you into how these gifts are going to be used. You got to follow His leading. You have to be able to follow His leading for Him to use you. Uh, that, that Sunday that I asked God to use me, I mean, you got to understand my life at that time, I was a rock hauler. Don't, don't get mad at every rock hauler going down the road. <laughs> I get upset with some of them because some of them are just absolutely lazy. Have you ever got behind a rock hauler and just had your vehicle washed and they're dripping all that water off and it's getting all over you, all that dirty water is getting all over your car and you just spent all kinds of money to get your car washed? Yep. Anybody ever had that happen? You want to know why that happened? I'll tell you why. Because that rock caller either did not empty his trailer uh, from the water, or he, did, he never even did it, or he did it in haste. When you, when you go to a crusher, and they load you with rock from the crusher, all that rock was big stones. You know why they call it a crusher? They put it in a thing that crushes it up into little stones. You know what happens when you crush up rock and little stones? It gets all kinds of dust all over it. It's dirty. It's dirty, dirty. When they dump that thing, I know I'm boring you. When they dump that thing out of a bin in the back of your, uh, the back of your bed of your, your truck, guess what? All that rock is dirty. Guess what they don't want you doing it when you drop it off for the customer? They don't want it like that. You have to go through a wash rack. When you come out of that crusher, they got a wash rack. Just got water pouring out of 24 hours a day all, all the whole time that they're running trucks through there. And you have to slowly pull your truck through that wash rack. So it washes over all that rock to clean that rock. But guess what you're supposed to do down at the end of the wash rack? You're supposed to raise your bed up and let all that extra water drain out. You listening? We were told to do it for no less than five minutes. I watch guys do it all the time because they get paid by the load. Raise it up maybe this far, drop it down, take off. And those are the ones that are spraying water all over the back of your truck. But I didn't do that all over the front of your truck. But don't get mad at every rock hauler. You listening? But when I was a rock caller, you know what I did every single day? For 12 to 16, sometimes up to 18 hours a day, I listened to teaching tapes all day long. Feeding my spirit, man. 
feeding my spirit man. And therefore I became very aware of the Holy Spirit and his leading. Amen? Amen. Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.